Generation Church, based in the beautiful Rex Theater in the heart of downtown Pensacola, Florida. Our hope is that today's teaching will encourage and equip you to be firm in faith, to fulfill the call of God in your life, and to finish well. Grab your Bible, open up your notes app, and let's dive in. I have a, uh, a very specific word on my heart for this morning. But I also believe that it is a word that is needed or a concept or thought that's needed for the future, and that is overcoming fear. Uh, you know, in war, it's really important to stand your ground. It's always important that you move forward. When, you know, today's Veterans Day, and we, uh, we are so thankful for the many veterans and, and people uh, throughout history that have, that have fought and have fought for freedom and you can't tell me that there wasn't fear in the hearts of many uh, young men and women. But they went forward and they continued to take the land and they continued to, to take ground and they continued to fight. And that's what we do as believers. We continue uh, to fight. And even though there's fear, there's this fear that is, in a sense, overcoming fear. If you think about Jesus... Before he went to the cross, it says that um, he literally sweated drops of blood. Well, I'm sure that that was very fearful, where God, being all-knowing, knew what he was about to experience. But what wasn't a fear of retreat. It was, it was I've got a task, and I'm, and I'm going to accomplish the will of my Father. That's why he said, your will be done, not mine. So, so, so Jesus filled with literal, I mean, it takes a lot for, for you to have such pressure in your life that, you're, you're, that your glands rupture and you sweat blood. And, and so um, I believe that fear is one of the greatest deterrents that will keep us from God's will and the purposes in our life. Fear. Fear keeps us from committing our time, our talents, and our treasures to God. That's what we have. We have our time. Time is probably one of the most important things. Why? Because you can never get it back. And the devil wants to steal that, and um, he wants us to walk in fear in this life. And uh, but he does. He 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 will. He wants to come in on our on the time and the talents and the treasures. Um, Satan's tactic is to keep you from living your life with purpose, with authority, and with a calling. He would rather you be succumb to fear. Um, the story that I want to remind you of this morning comes out of Numbers chapter 13 and 14, but let me give you a recap up to this point. It's been 14 months. It's been about a year and two months since the Exodus. And the, the Israelites, they've already seen a lot. I mean, think about it. They've seen the parting of the Red Sea. Pretty awesome. They've seen bitter water made sweet. They've seen quail and manna, God providing them food. Millions of birds flying in because they wanted meat. And, of course, because they complained, God gave them so much meat that they didn't know what to do with it all. But... Uh, quail and manna. He, they saw water come from a rock, and it was during this time that they had gotten the Ten Commandments and, and some of their laws. And, and then, of course, they made the golden calf, and this is the, they've already celebrated their second Passover. Think about it. Think about this miracle, right? 
Think about before they left Egypt, that um, the angel of death goes around and kills the firstborn male of every household. But if you had the blood of the doorpost, the blood over your doorpost, then the angel of death would skip your family. Can you imagine the, the miracles that they had seen? So this is, this is what they've experienced, and now we're in Numbers 13. And it says this, The Lord said to Moses, so they're in the desert, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. Not I might give it to them. I'm thinking about it if they got a good, you know, it's like I'm, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it to them. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, uh, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran, and all of them were, leader, were the leaders of the Israelites, and these were their names. Well, 5 through 16 lists the names, and I'm not going to do that for time's sake, but it lists the names. Pick up in verse 17. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, Go up through Negev and unto the hill country, and see what the land is like, and whether the people who live there are strong or weak. Now, I just want to stop right there for a second. I believe that God wanted them to spy out the land because I believe that if they would have had the right understanding and the right mindset and they would have reminded themselves of the power of God, then they would have been so excited because they would have entered the land and they would have seen what they were getting. They would have seen the promise that, wow, God, look how you've provided for us. That's probably the intention. He says, I want to see, live there who are strong or weak. It says, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? And how's the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best and bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season for the first ripe grapes. Verses 21 and 22, they say a little bit about their journey through the countryside, picking up on 23. It says, As when they reached the valley of Eshkol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them along with some pomegranates and figs. Wow, that is fertile. At the end of the 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. And they came back to Moses and Aaron and the, the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. And there they reported to them that the whole, uh, into the whole assembly, and they showed them the fruit of the land. What a beautiful day. They showed him everything. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey, and, and, and here's its fruit. But, but the people who live there are powerful. The cities are fortified and very large. Even, we even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb don't you just love Caleb? It says he silenced the people before Moses and said, we should 
go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. They, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report, the land uh, that they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. Really? Like, you spent 40 days there, and how much devouring did you see? All the people we saw there were of great size. We saw Nephilim there. Uh, Lord, we saw, and we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Yeah, you probably did, in your own eyes. And we looked the same to them. Really? Okay, well, to you, maybe. Chapter 14, the night, that night, all the members of the community, they raised their voices and they wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And uh, the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and our children, they'll be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Let's do an insurrection here. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly and gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, Caleb, the son of, uh, of Jephunneh, who were among uh, those who had explored the land, they tore their clothes. And they said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land that we passed through and explored, it's exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. And do not re only do not rebel against the Lord. Don't doubt his word. Don't rebel. And get this, and do not be afraid. The world wants to, and the Satan wants to impose fear. And fear keeps you from moving forward. Do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection, it's what? It's gone. But the Lord is where? He's with us. Do not be afraid of them. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. The glory of the Lord appeared in the tent of the meeting of the Israelites, and the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people treat me with such contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in, the, in spite of all the signs that I have performed among them? I will strike them down with a plague and destroy them, but I will make you into a great nation and stronger than they. So Moses 13 through 18, in these verses, Moses cries out to the Lord. He states his case and he, he, uh, you know, he reminds God of his faithfulness. And he's like, look, what if... The Egyptians, they see that we were destroyed in the desert and, and you, you weren't faithful, God. So like, like for your name, please, like, like, like don't do this. Don't destroy them. We don't need to be destroyed. So Moses cries out to God. Verse 19 says, in accordance with your great love, forgive the sin of these people, just as you have pardoned them from the time that they left Egypt until now. The Lord replied, I have forgiven them as you asked. Nevertheless, as surely as I live 
And as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who have disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land that I promised on oath to their ancestors. No one who has uh, a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, uh, I will bring him into... uh, But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit, okay, he says, and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went into, and his descendants will inherit it. Only Joshua and Caleb and those under 20 years old would ever see the promised land. It would take 40 years for even them, because of the sins of their fathers, it would take 40 years for them to finally go into the promised land, one year for each of the 40 days they sent as spies. On some level, we all experience fear, and especially as the world grows more evil, it's easy to walk in that fear. This is a real thing. The Lord really put this on my heart because, as I said, nothing will inhibit you from taking the land that God has called you to more than fear. Jesus said at the coming of the Son of Man, he says, men's hearts would fail them for fear and expectation of things to come. Fear. Fear will overshadow or neutralize what God has called us to accomplish. God has called us to be bold. He's called us to be a voice of truth and righteous and obedient reaching our community and our nation and our world. That's what he's called us to, to live lives of faith because without faith, it's impossible to please God. You want to please God? Have faith. Trust his word. 2 Timothy 1.7, familiar to many of us, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Fear keeps you from doing what God wants you to do. Fear is a prophet from hell sent to upset you. Fear tells you to do something that God will not honor. God never honors fear. He only honors faith. The fear that Satan imposes is him prophesying a bad report about your future. Fear is reality minus God. Don't tell God how big the mountain is, tell the mountain how big God is. And you'll always regret every fear-based decision you will ever make. And you'll never regret a faith-based decision of putting your faith in God. Fear is perpetual, it's paralyzing, it's confusing, and it's fatalistic. God uses peace. He never uses fear. What are some of the voices? God's voice is calming and Satan's voice is upsetting. God's voice comforts, and Satan's voice worries. God's voice convicts, and Satan's voice condemns. God's voice encourages, Satan's voice discourages. God's voice leads, and Satan's voice pushes. God's voice enlightens, and Satan's voice confuses. 
God's voice reassures and Satan's voice frightens. God's voice is kind and Satan's voice is cold. What voice are we listening to is the question that we need to ask. I wanted to end this before Michael comes up and I if that's something that you're battling with, think about these, these few action points here. First, we admit your, admit your fear to God. Lord, this is a fear of mine. Uh, and then you submit those fears to God. He is greater. James 4, 7 says, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And interesting, verse 6, right before that, it said, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Pride says, I'm in charge of my emotions and fears. It's legitimate. But when you submit your fears to God, you're just saying, I'm not in control. God's in control of that situation. Even if the situation didn't turn out the way you wanted it, God's still in control. Another thing here is focus on God's presence and his power. And then lastly here, take authority over the spirit of fear in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. Fear keeps you from seeing, from imagining, and from dreaming. Fear steals your time. It minimizes and it suppresses your talents and it robs you of your treasures here on earth and in heaven. Your treasures here on earth because you can spend the majority of your time on this life and you have to understand that we will answer to God for all of those areas when we, when we answer for our life. Our time, how did we spend our time? How did we, um, how did we use the gifts that God gave us, our talents? And where, where did I... Where did I put my effort in the material things that God gave me? The purpose of fear is to keep you from your promised land. I really felt that that was the direction I needed to go this morning because when, you know, a, a time like there's so many things in this life that are actionable and and we 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 live this life, we want to be wise with who we are as individuals. We want wisdom to dictate what we do with our resources. We want God to be in control. We don't want to miss out on what God is doing because we're filled with maybe our own agenda, our own, just we're enveloped in, 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 in ourselves and not really praying and understanding what the heart of God is. Thanks for hanging out with us at Generation. You can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram at Generation Pensacola or go to the website at generationpensacola.com and from wherever you download your podcasts. If today's teaching impacted you, we'd love to hear about it. So please drop us a note.